Hey, everybody. Welcome to Project Tahiti. It's a magical place. Um, for those of you who don't know, we are an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. recap podcast. We recap and discuss every episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that has been released up till now. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Jess, and I'm joined by your other host, Jared. What's up? Hello. Um, I think we both had late nights last night, so this should be interesting. <laughs> yeah, sleep, sleepy uh, Project Tahiti. Sleepy Project Tahiti. Um, and of course, this episode was written by someone whose name I can never pronounce. So thank you for that, Mr. Paul. <laughs> Paul good, Z. Good timing. Um, before we get started, we are a part of the But Why Though podcast community. Uh, so be sure to check them out on Twitter at But Why Though PC and their website, But Why Though Podcast.com. Um, and super exciting. They were actually in Google News this last week. So we're uh, they're getting up there, which is cool for exposure and also just for everyone that contributes to the site and all the podcasts that are a part of it. Um, super inclusive and well-rounded. I think lots of cool pop culture stuff there if you're interested. And we're super proud to be a part of their community as well. Um, also, if you are not caught up on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's still on Netflix through the end of season five, so you should go do that so that you can listen to the spoiler section because we talk about a lot of good stuff. Um, I think that's all I have for announcement things. Let's, let's get to it. This is season two, episode two, Heavy is the Head, written by Paul... Zbzewski. I feel like I've say I literally say this name different every time I try to say it. Paul Z. Paul Z. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> he is a veteran writer on the show, um, which means he will probably continue to write more episodes. Um, so, someone please write in and tell me how to pronounce his name. <laughs> um, directed by Jesse Botchko, another veteran director. I think he's directed either one or two episodes, um, and then. This episode was originally aired September 30th, 2014. That's my birthday. It's a good one. Oh, yeah. Oh, and odd that you say that because today that we're recording this is my birthday. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's really weird. Um, it's, uh, very, I, like, it's not like, I don't know, it's not like the craziest coincidence, but it's kind of weird. It is a little weird. Um, interesting. Uh, so this episode is like, Takes, starts off immediately after the events of the season premiere. Um, so it just gets right into it. We start off right after the um, uh, Creel crashed or the, I guess he didn't crash into the SUV. The SUV crashed into Creel because he turned into asphalt. Um, so Hartley and Idaho are dead and Hunter is still alive and he's trapped in the SUV. His leg is pinned. Um, and May shows up and she tries to cut him out, but he insists that she goes after Creel because um, he has the obelisk and Hunter wants revenge. <laughs> he wants Creel dead. <laughs> He's revenge crazy this episode, which yeah. given that his the people who he worked closest with, that his team 
were both murdered in front of him. Yeah, like laying dead in the car next to him as he's trapped in there and can't do anything about it. <laughs> I feel like if if May were in his place, Creel would already be cut up into tiny pieces or something. Yeah. Like, there's no way. And I love that Hunter just knows that May will take care of business. Like, he's like, she, like he knows that she has enough detachment where she's not going to, like, try to stay behind and save him. So she obviously, she leaves to go after him because she knows what she needs to do. And I sort of feel like she's the only person at this point, without getting any spoiler territory, she's the only member of the team who would be that way. I like know. The rest of them would all be kind of follow, I think, Coulson's lead that he's an example he's set. Or yeah. they just already have that in them anyway. Like, like I think, uh, you know, like like Mac, who we get to know a lot better this episode, like he's not really been that influenced by Coulson yet, but I don't even think he would be able to leave people behind you know no. to catch the bad guy well i think which... it just shows that hunter i mean hunter is not technically a shield agent but hunter and may are just a very and i mean even ward to some extent because when he oh yes you know, yes like they are a very specific type of agent um like operative type style where they work alone they aren't you know they they have they're i don't want to say programmed but they're like conditioned to complete yeah. the mission we can shut off that switch, and, and I did. I like that moment too. It was like a very quick acknowledgement of, uh, of even though he hasn't had that much exposure to the, to Coulson's team, that he already knows who May is and how mm-hmm. she, you know he can depend on her for that. I, it, I do like that moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, he's doing it for selfish reasons, but I mean, she all. It also shows that May knows that Hunter can handle himself, like because soldiers are on their way to like come and arrest him, and she knows, like, okay, like here's the tool to get you out of the car. Like, I'm gonna go do this thing. You do your thing. Good luck. <laughs> like, um, it just shows that they both know they're competent, and it's a nice, it's a nice moment. Yeah, there's there's mutual there's mutual respect. And which it's, it's nice. Uh, which the mutual respect does not stay throughout this episode. Towards the end, uh, they will lose it. So that's kind of <laughs> funny. Set up, set up for something. <laughs> so it's nice that we start off that way, but it doesn't stick. Um, so anyway, soldiers come and they arrest Hunter even right after he uh, cuts himself out of the car, which is very sad. Um, meanwhile, May jumps on a motorcycle, which I think she did at the end of uh, the premiere anyway. And so she's chasing Creel on a motorcycle without a helmet, which drives me crazy when they do this. But I get why, because, hello, you need to see their faces, their actors. But it just stresses me out. Um no, I, I definitely <laughs> hate it too. Like this is a little different than when I feel like sometimes they're really negligent on TV shows where there's no reason. Like, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. You know, she didn't have her helmet, you know, in her hands. Like yeah. this is like a super uh, emergency spy situation. They've got a guy who's like super dangerous. They're trying to keep track of. Yeah. I, 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 I can give it a pass, but I'm with you that like it's super lazy and. Like they don't let people smoke cigarettes on network TV anymore, yeah. Like, like at all, ever. So they're gonna let you constantly drive around without your helmet on. Like, guess which one is more of an immediate threat to your life? Like, yeah. like I'm not, I'm not endorsing <laughs> smoking cigarettes on network TV anymore. Like, not maybe, yeah. maybe we should be more responsible for our, our children than like to depend TV to just you know depend on TV to never expose them to anything we don't want or whatever. But, but uh. No, I, I think that's it's it's a super imitatable behavior. It's still a problem yeah. where people still don't like to wear helmets because it doesn't look cool or it messes up their hair. And like, that's really stupid. That's yeah. super stupid. So I, I'm, that's a 
pet peeve we share i think yep and as someone who uh my partner uh rides motorcycles and has been in multiple accidents like literally probably would be dead without a helmet a full face helmet for that That's a, <laughs> being specific um my, my, my father has permanent back issues and both of his knees have been replaced at this point and it's yeah. all due to uh one awful awful motorcycle injury yeah. that has like haunted him for most of his life i didn't understand when i was a kid why Motorcycles were off limits so much to my brothers and, and I, uh, as far as he was concerned. But it's partially because I think he he didn't they didn't want to scare us or whatever. So like that the story went from like sports injuries to the truth. Oh as, no! As, as my brothers <laughs> and I grew up where it's like, wait, sports? Like you played tennis and yeah. <laughs> like how does your back destroy? Did you yeah. a football player? Doesn't make any sense. Oh my god! It's like, oh no, it was a debilitating uh, car wreck in a motorcycle. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Speaking of. I don't know if my mic is picking up the motorcycle driving away, but Billy is riding away to go get coffee right now. That's <laughs> and it's very loud outside. <laughs> Sorry. No, um, and, and I, I feel like uh, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's very dangerous and there's no benefit to it. And as uh, my dad always uh, says, like, no matter how good a driver you are, you just have no protection. So it's a very dangerous thing. And like, I know yeah. that, Billy wouldn't just wouldn't go get coffee without his helmet on. <laughs> he no, he rides more. like full, <laughs> no, you know, just... leather jacket, boots. You know, his jacket is armored to protect his back if he, you know, I mean, and he's been in an accident before where he like landed on his back. And if he Oof. hadn't had the armor in the jacket, he probably would have broken like everything. <laughs> he's broken his back both previously in a in another accident. Like he's just he's a mess. Um, no, but- to people who, who don't know motorcyclists, like leathers look cool, but they serve a real purpose. Like, <laughs> Yeah, they do. But like it's he would have been injured so much worse had he not been wearing gear every accident. Um, so yeah, wear your helmet when you're on a motorcycle. It drives me crazy. Like I was in Hawaii recently and they don't, they don't have helmet laws and we were so stressed watching these people ride motorcycles around without helmets. I mean, they're going, I mean, it's Hawaii. So they're like chill and they're going super slow and they're not like being crazy. Like they do out here in LA, like, (laughs) but it it was still just very stressful to see these people. I'm like, Oh my God, please no one hit them. (laughs) Like, it's interesting. There are cultural reasons for things sometimes too. Like I know that growing up in Arizona, um, because of uh, financial reasons, like they ended up making it to where you couldn't out. They couldn't outlaw at least when I was a kid. Uh, people not having uh, seats. People could ride in the in the beds of trucks legally oh, because yeah. like so many so many families couldn't afford cars, especially people coming in and out of the reservations. Like it's just different. Yeah. And yeah. if you can't afford uh, you know, a, a station wagon or a, a minivan, like you can transport a hell of a lot of people in the bed of a truck. <laughs> it's very true. I just remember like even as a little kid thinking like whoa that's nuts like every time like a soccer team would drive away from a game there'd be like a dozen kids in the back of a truck and i'd be <laughs> like wait what like i might be eight but that seems dangerous <laughs> yeah but the, but there are like reasons for it and no it's that's got to be scary I, uh well uh hawaii looks really nice there it, it just it doesn't feel like i don't know man rocks and and uh mountainous terrain beach like none of <laughs> that of hills, be, it seems conducive to yeah. riding a motorcycle to me I know, I <laughs> much know. less without a helmet but may always has her leathers yes right? she does always have her leathers at least but i mean i just feel like you could just do like voiceover like have a, you know the stunt actor in a helmet and just have voiceover work done i don't i guess that's not as visually interesting but it just really bothers me when 
It's Marvel, and other people have ripped it off who aren't Marvel. So, like, just use the Tony Stark thing and just yeah, show with their the face inside helmet. Inside yeah, helmet. Like, why not? The <laughs> shield. So they should have like a, a, a cool screen on the inside of her motorcycle helmet. It'd be so yeah. simple. Plus, it's just cheap. Like that way, like you said, they just have a stunt driver in the outfit uh, with the mask, and then they can just have her in a in a dark room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, like, that's so true. Although but she does I, do good stunt work, so like I get, does, I get yeah. why when you have. Uh, Ming Na available, like <laughs> use her. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, it's got to be very conflicting for them. I know, and I'm sure she's like, yeah, I want to ride around in a motorcycle with and my hair cool. in the breeze yeah. and look cool. Yeah, especially when it's super it. safe and you're attached yeah. to a follow car or whatever, and yeah. it's not actually as dangerous as it looks. Like, yeah, because they yeah. because only Tom Cruise puts himself in that <laughs> reckless danger. <laughs> oh my god. Tom Cruise. Wow. Oh, before we get on that tangent, let's continue. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's going to be a whole other thing. <laughs> as for, for people who don't know us outside of the podcast, we are capable of uh, of ranting about Tom Cruise uh, like we do uh, Ward. Like, he's, yeah. our, he's our real life Ward. He's like our real life nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so she's uh, in hot pursuit of Creel. We're, we're 10 minutes into our episode and we're about 30 seconds into the S.H.I.E.L.D. episode. So at this rate, we'll have a 300, <laughs> a 300 minute, uh, our, our most supersized episode yet for a relatively straightforward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this episode doesn't have a lot of deep stuff in it. It's pretty plot heavy. So um, we're off to a good start. Um, yeah, so she's hot on Creel's tail. She wa- she has a gun. So she's not only riding her motorcycle without a helmet, but she has her gun ready to shoot him. And she has, you know, Coulson on comms and he's like, do not engage. Like, it's too dangerous. And also he wants to know who he's working for. And May does not like this. She wants to take him out. And she's he's like, hey, that's an order. Agent May, that is an order. And she hesitates hard but she ultimately obeys and she just goes back into surveillance mode and follows him which i don't know how he would i mean motorcycles are loud and she's riding a harley i don't know how he wouldn't know that she was following him but whatever this is a tv show maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe his ears don't work when they made a metal or something I don't maybe know. <laughs> um so now we go to the playground and the quinjet the stolen quinjet lands sky and trip get out and they're kind of talking amongst themselves wondering where the rest of the team is um and they they talk about how um, mac is going to reverse engineer the cloaking tech from the quinjet to put on the bus so the bus can be operational again um and uh, Sky tells Coulson privately that um, the same symbols that he's had her study were on the obelisk. Um, and we know as audience members that these symbols are the ones that Coulson is actually carving into the wall. But um, Sky doesn't know that at this point. She just thinks they're just random things that he's found as director. And she says they raised up like Braille on this obelisk. Um, and she's frustrated because she wants to discuss this right now. But Colson's like, look, we got bigger fish to fry. Um, Hunter's been captured. Um, so we got to like be ready to uproot this base and burn everything to the ground if he talks. And they're like, oh, shit. Because, <laughs> I mean, Hunter's not S.H.I.E.L.D. He's a mercenary. Um, he's made it very clear that he's there for the money. So it is really a, a question of whether he is going to talk. So we don't know. Um, speaking of Hunter, um, he is in the trunk of a car and he gets dropped off in a field in the middle of nowhere. And his uh, his hands are untied, which I feel like is a really dumb move for someone who showed to be adept at um, combat and spy stuff. Yeah, it feels like <laughs> anytime spies are dealing with like a counteroperative, you'd you'd secure just their keep hands. them bound. Yeah, like, they carry zip ties and have handcuffs and stuff like that. It feels a little weird. 
I mean, he could be like Ward and have a, a garrote. Did I say that yeah. right? <laughs> and he, he could, could just he, like he, choke he, these people out immediately and I don't know be what's off. in the heel of his boot or whatnot. <laughs> like he's a spy. <laughs> right? Um, but whatever. A helicopter lands and it's very dramatic. And of course, it's Talbot because he is so extra and he has to make an, an entrance. Um, and Talbot gets him on the the helicopter and he's buttering him up, asking him, you know, how this talented person with a great career ends up as a mercenary. And he's like, and Hunter's like, well, you know, I met a girl, which uh, we we will get to meet her in a future episode. Spoiler alert. <laughs> and Talbot wants Hunter to give him Coulson. And he's like, you know, you don't owe this man anything. Like, Coulson sacrificed your friends, you know, and for what? And Hunter is like staring out the window and he's like, I want two million and a proper burial for Hartley. So I guess there it is. <laughs> That was easy. Back at the playground, Mac, Sky, and Trip are looking at the cloaking tech from the Quinjet, and Sky is like, Fitz will be crushed if he saw this. Um, he's been working on this for months, and um, we just like went out from under him, and then Fitz walks in, and Mac tries to talk to him, and he's like, look, you weren't that far off, and he's like, hey, I'm, I'm going to need your help with this. Like, You're the expert. I'm just like a mechanic, and Fitz kind of like starts to lean into this and then it just becomes too much for him and he can't communicate and he just leaves but it's really sweet um that mac tries to get his input and tries to include him and it uh this is the beginning of a blossoming relationship between the two of them which is lovely to watch um but also hard to watch meanwhile colson is in his he's in his office and he's shifting through uh the contents of fury's box and we see a little uh, a little video of peggy carter which he's like oh and he like kind of puts it off to the side which is is fun so this is our second cameo of peggy <laughs> and we're two episodes in i like this i don't know maybe they're like gunning hard for the peggy carter show that's going to be coming out in the next couple months <laughs> Definitely seems like they were trying try to set it up. <laughs> Definitely promo. Um, and then he sees the obelisk and he's like, all right, set that aside for later. He closes everything up because uh, Sky shows up and she wants to talk to him. Um, and she basically wants more responsibility. And he's like, um, look, you can you can help by going up to pack Hartley's things. And he I mean, this is he obviously tells her that Hartley and Idaho did not survive the mission. Um, and she's like, look, I know you're the boss, uh, but compartmentalizing these things is not good for you. You need to like take up yoga or something. <laughs> and she leaves and Coulson's like, yeah, I tried that already <laughs> in a true Coulson, silly Coulson moment. Meanwhile, in the lab, Fitz is talking to quote Simmons because we know it's not actually Simmons because Simmons isn't there. Um, and he's getting paranoid that everyone's keeping things from him and they don't want him involved. And so he and fake Simmons, head Simmons. I'm doing um, a Battlestar thing there. <laughs> um, him and head Simmons decide to find a way, they want to find a way to stop Creel. And so Fitz goes over to this printer where Creel's DNA results have just been left in the tray and he picks it up and, and walks away. <laughs> uh, we go to this diner and Creel is waiting in the booth. Um, we see a uh, we see his arm and it's like weird. There's weird shit in his arm and it's from the obelisk most likely because he touched it and it's like not going away. And he's obviously freaked out about it. Um, a waitress comes over to offer him service and he's like, no, I'm still waiting for my friend. And she accidentally touches him and he, there's this really like, he's freaked out. She's like, Oh, I'm sorry. And she walks away. And then we go to outside the diner where May is outside talking to Colson 
And she's like, he's still waiting for someone. Like, I don't know what's going on. All of a sudden, there's all this screaming. And she's like, oh, shit, I got to go in. Um, We go inside, and the waitress starts to turn to stone, the same black stone that we saw um, the men at the Hydra base (laughs) turn into, or they were already like that, um, at the very beginning of episode one for season two. And so she obviously touched Creel, and somehow Creel has absorbed the properties of this obelisk, which is scary and crazy. Um, So back at the playground, Hunter is back. And he's pissed because his friends are dead. Um, and Coulson's like, all right, what did he offer you? And he's like, well, you know, I want a proper burial for Hartley. And he's like, what, you think I couldn't give that to you? Like, I have resources too. Like, what else did he, what else, what else, what else is going on? And he's like, well, I have 48 hours to deliver you. And the only reason I'm back is because he wants revenge. Um, he wants to kill Creel. Um, and he knows that Coulson is probably a has a better chance of finding him than Talbot does. And so that's why he's here. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Fitz is looking over Creel's DNA results and he's talking to Head Simmons uh, and Matt comes up and he's like, hey, who are you talking to? And he's like, no, it's cool. You know, I, I sing in the shower. I talk to myself sometimes too, you know, and he's like trying to, he, he's trying to make light of this moment where Fitz is obviously having a hard time. And Sim, Head Simmons is like kind of walking around Mac, like looking, looking at him. And she's like, you know what? We, I like him because he's treating you differently from how the others are treating you. He's not treating Fitz like he's like, breakable and fragile like he's just treating him like normal and meanwhile like Fitz is like trying to listen to Simmons and Mac and Mac is like snapping in his face like hey dude where are you like I'm right here like (laughs) who are you talking to um and he's just so like he just like breaks this spell that Fitz has been under and everyone's you know kind of walking on eggshells around him and Mac just doesn't do that and he's like look do you, he sees that Fitz is looking over like Creel's DNA results. He's like, Hey, do you have a way to stop Creel? Cause Hartley was his friend too. Um, and Fitz is like, I didn't solve this today. And Mac is like, all right, let's do this. Um, yay. I love them together. <laughs> Makes me so happy. Sky, uh, during this time is packing up Hartley's things and she's looking at, you know, photos, necklace, all these personal belongings and Hunter walks in. And he mentions that he and Hartley met through his ex-wife. Um, and he's talking about how uh, Sky kind of reminds him of of Hartley. And um, he's like, you know, why are you still here? And Sky says, Shield's my life now. And Hunter basically gives her this speech about how, like, Shield isn't a life. It's just, like, a job. Like, there's other things out there. Um, don't, you know. But I don't, I don't think he realizes how deep into Shield Sky is because of her family, obviously, um, and just her, her, how she was found, how Shield is her family, essentially, and how Coulson is her family. So, well, and you know, uh, even I think now she understands too, on some level, and we as viewers definitely understand that, like from the beginning of her life, Shield has been taking care of her even from behind the scenes, and you know that. May is the one mm-hmm. who found her like, like, like you know, over the course of the end of the last season, even though there's still so much mystery surrounding sky, we do know that, I don't know. Shield has always been her family, even though she didn't know it until a year yeah. ago. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, people have died to protect her. Like they, you know, what she thought was what she felt was a sense of abandonment was them protecting her, like moving her from foster home to foster home and things like that. And it's, 
I mean, she knows that obviously that's not something she's going to spill to Hunter, you know, not knowing him very well. And it's, I don't even think Hunter would fully understand at this point in his arc. He's just, he's just a a very certain type of person right now. Well, and it feels (laughs) like it's just not something that necessarily he can relate to because he, he's been loyal. We've seen that he's a very loyal person, but it's not to organizations or to countries. It's to people. It's to people like his friend, you know, who, who, who just, you know, uh, was murdered before his eyes and to the, the, his ex-wife and, or the, the, the girl who he's referred to now will yeah. see is one of those people who he has this like great loyalty to. And he develops, develops, a, uh, I don't think it's spoiling, you know, to see that he's in the permanent cast. He develops relationships mm-hmm. with cast members of the show mm-hmm. over the, since he's been added to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, we go to Creel's, uh, his little armored truck, and he uh, Creel is freaking out, and he's trying to like, um, he's like going through all. He has like a wall of, like, uh, like an apothecary drawer wall, <laughs> and he has all these different substances in this wall, and he's like going through, like trying to pick out all these different pieces of, you know, different elements, and try to turn his arm into these different things to make this this shit in his arm go away nothing's making it go away so he calls up i can't remember if he calls or if the the creepy british guy that works for hydra calls and he's like you know if you get us the obelisk we will help you as we have always taken care of you which taking care of doesn't sound like uh it would necessarily be helpful <laughs> it sounds more like a hydra taking care of but he's, he's not from the comics but sunil bakshi i think yeah, yeah. last episode and he's already mm-hmm. be- become a pretty uh it feels like he's a pretty big muckety muck over at hydra and is like yeah positioning himself as being important uh for this this arc for sure yeah and i don't think we learn his name until next episode like for now he's just like this nameless hydra agent that is in contact with creel um, but yeah his name is by, uh, mr by credit, mr bakshi by, by yeah the lists. credits yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which sometimes they um, don't they don't do like i know that there's one nameless person who ended up causing in my research for this episode i'll i'll talk about when we do the spoiler section who confused some people it was just a, a nameless appearance. I guess they resembled uh, an actor in the MC. Oh, oh God. That'll be funny. Yeah, people are confused easily. Yeah. very Well, especially with this stuff where it's like not everything is directly taken from comics. Like some things are just kind of inspired by or like they kind of mix characters sometimes. Like it's easy for – I feel like I feel like it's easy for fans sometimes to just jump on – a persona if it's close to something or it's close to an actor or you know what I mean like there's so I mean I remember like when this season was first coming out there were so many there was so much speculation about the mysteries that are slowly being un, like revealed and who who Sky actually is and it was you know it was just a mess <laughs> oh yeah even even as more and more pieces of that are coming together we still we're still very in the dark at this point as viewers as mm-hmm. far as her history and it's been something from the beginning it seemed like once people knew that she was uh going to be an established marvel character which i think they did reveal at some point between seasons one and two it became pretty uh much like a guessing game where people were like mm-hmm. who who could this possibly be and, and how could this work and it's good it created a buzz i remember even when i wasn't watching the show during the second season i remember reading people talking about it in the comics community quite a bit yeah yeah um so creel is mad because he's like all right you know i don't trust these people but i need them so he goes outside and he's like i don't know he's like throwing things and reina shows up 
and she has a gift for him. And she's like, this is carbine. It's like four times harder than diamond or whatever. And, and she's like, but I want something in return. I want the obelisk. And, um, Creel's like, you have no idea what you're in. Uh, I'm not giving this to you. Fuck you. And he just like takes the carbine and and leaves. <laughs> and he leaves her there. <laughs> and which is kind of interesting because Raina is like, you know, very charming. And she's she's kind of one of those people that is used to getting what she wants. And so she looks a little like put off that Creel didn't fall for her tricks. Yes, yeah, she's been very successful at manipulating people. <laughs> like even Colson, who never fell for anything, was like willing to listen to her a lot more. Mm-hmm. Like Creel is super dismissive. And he does – he's got a reason to be, I think. Oh, yeah. I think so, too. <laughs> it's interesting. Like like you said, he, he took the carbine and she even tries to, like, call him on it. Like, hey, what about this? He's like – he doesn't even care. He's just like, – Nope. He's like payment for the conversation or something along those lines. Like – Yeah, price of doing business or something like that, whatever the line was. But, like, they didn't actually do business. Like, like nope. But, but, but <laughs> just, he just takes it. Which, I mean, in that point, when you have a death touch, it's yeah pretty good uh, – Pretty good excuse. <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's like, how is she going to help him? Like, she doesn't, she hasn't promised to help him in any way. At least Hydra has been like, oh, we can help you or take care of you or whatever it is that he said. Yeah. Well, the carbine's um, <laughs> valuable. It doesn't help him with his immediate problem of the, you know, yeah, exactly. spreading um, uncontrollable death touch. Yep. Yep. But yeah. So uh, back at the playground, May is back from um, watching after Creel. Obviously, he got away, as we saw in the last scene. Um, and we find out that that Hydra frequency is back up um, that Creel and Bakshi were using to communicate. And the t- there's this team banter. I was like, oh, is Creel feeling lonely? And Sky's like, I doubt it. That guy's jacked. Plus, he can turn any body part into any material. No, and Colson's <laughs> reaction is so good. Where he, He's such a dad right there. He's just like, thanks for that. Like, like you did yeah, not yeah, want to hear that's enough. That. <laughs> yeah. And her, the look on her face and the look on his face is just hilarious. It's a great Honestly, comedic though, moment. <laughs> it, 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 it gave me pause after a second because it was a really good comedic moment. But I feel like, yeah. it, for me... It sort of feels like she's mostly messing with Colson because I know <laughs> because I thought about it more, and I'm like, well, I mean, the second part, sure, but the first part's like that's not really her type. Like, sure, all the dudes she's been with other show are cut because it's TV; they're all yeah. in awesome shape, but like they're not like giant dudes. Like, like, yeah, like think of Lincoln. Yeah, spoiler: there's a dude named Lincoln. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and Ward are both like more medium build dudes than. Creel, who's like, who is yeah. Jack? Whereas, <laughs> like, 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 yeah, she's not like all over Mac or anything. <laughs> yeah, she's not. She's not a, a typical like thirsty girl yeah. about. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, like she's she's so she's shown interest in Thor, but so is May. Yeah, so and, it's and, like, obviously, and to be fair, who in who in God's name has? Like, I feel like given enough time, Coulson would show clear interest in Thor because come on, it's right? Thor. <laughs> But yeah, it does seem like she's, it's like one of those, like she's not getting enough attention from dad. So she's like acting out to get his attention. I think, I think that's legit, like probably what it is. Like, cause she even says uh, in this episode, she mentions later on that she's like, she, she feels like he's pulled back in, in more than just his new position. Like he's, he's yeah. pulled back from their relationship and it clearly hurts her because she, because we talk mm-hmm. about all the time that he's become her dad. Like she, he yeah. absolutely has. She's never had that. And he is everybody's sad. It's just his personality, he and he and he legitimately <laughs> cares a lot about her. So it's it's a very sweet relationship. 
And he has just a great dad reaction in this moment, too. Like, he clearly got, she clearly got his attention, and he was just like, oh, my God. Yeah, no, she, 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 she kerfuffled him. It was, it was really sweet. It was, it was a great moment, because, like, uh, she just made, she made her, her surrogate dad blush by (laughs) implying that, uh, that, like, hey, I'd give, uh, a giant human dildo a shot or whatever. Yeah. And, like, and he's like, hey, no, I don't need to think about that. Yeah. Uh, it was great. Uh, it is great. That made me laugh and made me think like that was, it's, it's not, I don't know. It's not trying to be salacious. It's not uh, two and a half men style uh, network TV where it's like, we're going to be as gross as we can get away with to, to shock yeah. people. It's just, but, but it's not really gross, but, but it is a little more adult and subtle, but it is more so than I yeah. would expect on ABC's Marvel right? superhero <laughs> show a little bit. Well, it, I feel like it was one of those things too, like everyone's thinking it and she just is the one to say it <laughs> type of thing. Well, and, and I also, I feel like on TV, I'm so used to in family oriented action stuff just seeing decapitations yeah. and people's like entire bodies explode and, and right? whatnot, but never anything sexual <laughs> or adult. Like that stuff is like very much like we have this weird puritanical thing where it's like ab- torture. It's necessary for children to see how we torture the, the sinners, but whoa, 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 sex. Like, I don't want kids yeah. to have any fucking idea what that is ever. I would, too much, I, too far. <laughs> like they could avoid, you know, STDs and, and I'm one of pregnancies if uh, if we taught them anything. Like, like what fun would life be? If, I know. But, but that is like still how TV is in general. So, so I think it worked. It was a nice little character moment that is actually a real character moment between two characters was also yeah. legitimately funny and was just a little subversive for an ABC like primetime TV show, I think. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So the person that's actually calling on the frequency is not Creel. It's Reyna. And um, she has this line about how like she's not with Hydra because world domination is so 1945, <laughs> which tell that to like every government on, on the earth, but whatever. Her whole, um, her whole exchange with Colson, like, it's so good. It's just fantastic. He, yeah. She refers to someone else as Hydra, like Creel or whatever. And yeah. And uh, Coulson's like, oh, yeah. Like, he tries to give her uh, shit back. And like, it, I don't know. There's something really great about it where they they, they are, have like a familiarity between the two of them going on. Yeah, but it's, but it's still antagonistic. It is. <laughs> it's, an- <laughs> it's like they have a mutual respect at this point. And just like what we were talking about before with her being charming and rather mm-hmm. convincing, like, even Coulson gave her the benefit of the doubt, you know, towards the end, like, you know? Yeah. But yeah, so she's, 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 she's like, I'm not aligned with Hydra. Like your friend Garrett is the one who saw the light before. And she starts talking about how Garrett, you know, has having these visions and, and he was starting to carve things into the wall and Coulson takes it off speaker at that point. Cause it's hit too close to home. And she talks about how, um, you know, he was, interested in the next evolution of mankind and that's what she's interested in too and um, she mentions how she put a tracker in the carbine that she gave creel and she's like um you know are you gonna help me are you gonna go after it um and so yeah they're gonna go after creel because she's given them an opportunity um and hunter really wants in and he like promises colson like you know scout's honor i won't do anything crazy i'll follow orders and colson lets him come which seems not wise (laughs) like dude like got you know got an offer from the u.s government to like turn colson in and um 
guy's out for blood. You know, he wants Creel really bad, and who knows what he's going to do to to get that? I don't know. Coulson, but Coulson needs bodies, so and Hunter is a good agent or good operative, whatever. <sighs> but we see that this is not a good idea in the end. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Fitz is still working on the tech to take down Creel, and he has Mac and a bunch of lab techs in the lab with him, and they're trying to help. And Fitz starts freaking out, like throwing shit across the tables. And Mac is like, "Okay," he tells the the tech he's like get out you're upsetting him and he's like dude calm down like what is going on he is so good like he has this amazing mixture of being totally supportive and and like on his side and also not tolerating his tantrum yes it's this weird it's so like i love it so much because it is nurturing but it's not in the same way that colson is but they're both like these complex men who are Every kind of traditional masculine thing that isn't toxic, like the, yeah. like they're strong, they, they they take care of you know the women and, and men in their lives, you know like 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 they they provide, they are good at at things that men are good at, like Colson at military stuff and Mac mm-hmm. at mechanics, like he's literally a mechanic, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but like like they they're, they're both very much prototypical men, like like maybe a third of, of of their character base, but then they have this other bit that you never see, I think, in modern fiction. Yeah. And like he's it what's what's cool is he doesn't tolerate the tantrums, but he's also complete he, there's never a question that he's not just like like on the surface, like like like, oh yeah, no, like I got your back or whatever. Like he really is on his side. Like when he yeah. you know he 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 has his back when the other people get in his way in such a way where like, I don't know, it, it never feels condescending. No. Even though he is taking a very gentle hand. It's amazing. And it's really sweet too, because like obviously Fitz is having a really hard time communicating and um, Mac doesn't back away from that. He It doesn't make him uncomfortable. He like bumps right up against him and he's like, okay, what are you trying to say? Let's try to figure this out. I'm going to, you know, and he throws words out there. He's like, is this what you mean? Is this what you mean? Like he's trying to help him bounce ideas off him. And is this the scene where he says like, are you talking to yourself? Like, that's cool. Or is that- yeah, that was the scene before. This is the one where Fitz is like, I didn't solve this today. And he oh, keeps yes, saying yeah. it over and over again. And then Mac's like, wait, so you've solved this before? Right. And Fitz is like, yes. And he's like, okay, so you're looking for an old design. And so they find it. And it's like, you know, anyone else on the team at this point would have backed away from him being like, okay, okay, you didn't solve this today. Like, you can figure this out. You're, you're fine. Mac, like, steps up and he's like, okay, what do you mean? <laughs> like, what are you actually saying? The, yeah. the rest of them, I think they have a, a, an inability, I think, to know how to, like, conduct themselves around him and just like mm-hmm. an inability to like process i think what he's really going through like they all want they yeah. all know what's going on but they want to believe he's going to be better faster than it's going to take or that he's going to be totally like restored to factory settings fits or whatever yeah. and like it feels like mac understands that this rehab might not be like a complete fix and that it's going to take real time in a way that yeah. they don't like not i don't think it's because they're impatient or or uh, like unsympathetic or unempathetic people it's i think because of the situation they're currently in where they're like strapped for everything yeah and they've and they depended on him as uh, yeah when they had infinite resources of magic shield you know yeah they still depended on him and now they really do yeah and they can't right now because they can't – he's having a hard time and they're having a hard time with him having a hard time. Yeah. No, and, and then Gemma leaving. Ugh. Yeah. 
I feel like the benefit is that Mac didn't know him before. And so this is the only fits that he's ever known. I, th- I do think that helps. I think that and the combo of, of a uh, slight spoiler, I think that that's not too revealing for anything. We find out later on that Mac as uh, a father, like, like literally a father. Yeah. Yeah. I think that does. Yeah. I think that um, informs some of this behavior, I think, and some of like how he's dealing with fits, but it's just really like, I just, oh, I love them. I love these moments so much with Mac and Fitz right now. Me too. Man, me too. Like I read the comment somewhere from uh, August where someone was saying that shield's on the way out. And like in the long run, it's just not as important to the MCU as like what Daredevil is oh. going to be or whatever. And I'm just like, Oh no. buddy, a few months <laughs> go by yeah. and you look foolish. <laughs> it's like, just because it's so well and i i don't know the the superiority i think that sometimes people have with like the cable shows like the netflix shows or whatever versus uh shield like i get it it's not everyone's thing but it's it's a lot deeper than people give it credit for and these relationships are where it really comes through i think yeah and i mean this is like one of the first i mean colson kind of maybe not i mean maybe more so in this season but this is the first instance in Marvel TV that we've bumped up against trauma and like the fallout from that. Like, and this is like literal physical trauma, also emotional trauma. <laughs> I think the difference with Coulson's, while Coulson's is real, like it's it's trauma, and they do they do get into it a bit. I think that first mm-hmm. season, even with the same time, it's not based in anything real. No one has been brought back from the dead after. A right, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> That doesn't. That's not. That's not a thing, you know. And I think that what what happened to Fitz is way too real. Like outside yeah. of the military, you know, in combat, people have TBIs that really mess up yeah. their lives. I know, uh, you know, you know, and inside military, even more so. Like there's just yeah. the, the chance for it. I know, uh, you know, there's not. It's it sucks because there's not a baseline, and I don't know. Brain science is something that grows exponentially, but I was in a traumatic car accident when I was 14 and we know I have PTSD, but like, there's no real way to know if I have TBI. Like I did fine academically, yeah. didn't change my, you know, my communication skills or whatever, or, or, but who knows what effect it had on, on my brain overall. Like, and it sucks. <laughs> like it, 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 I'm just a regular dude. I'm, a, I'm not a spy, you know? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And you're not, ha- you like, you're not operating in like this, the sphere of life and death every day where yeah, your friends high are. <laughs> stress. Yeah, yeah. World ending shit. Like there's no, there's yeah. no alien portal obelisk thing <laughs> in my world, you know, <laughs> that you have to solve or everyone's going to die. Yeah, like, no death touches. Yeah. There's no death touches oh, in my, my, no. my day to day. Thank God. Oh my god! So yeah, just yeah. just imagining people with like real problems that I can barely barely relate to in real life, and then in like you said, in their out of this world conditions, I think there's something that does make it more relatable. Like people can empathize mm-hmm. with Coulson because people have PTSD and people have trauma, and people are resuscitated in, in from crazy situations too. But like his is taken to an extreme sci-fi level. Yep, and yeah. this is okay. so rooted in reality. Uh, but it, yep. it's more powerful, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and Ian DeKistiker just does such an excellent job with this portion of Fitz's character arc. Like, oh my God. He and Henry Simmons both do some like oh. really great 
low key, subtle, emotional acting that's like really yeah. sweet and good. And I, oh, it's yeah, Chef's kiss to this to these two <laughs> throughout the entire seasons, all the seasons. All right, so they're going after Creel. So Creel is meeting Mr. Bakshi uh, in this open square. They're like sitting on these benches and the team is in place. So Trip is Trip is the sniper and then Skyman and Hunter are going in on the ground and everyone checks in and then Hunter ices May and Sky and then he goes after Trip and Trip's like, nah, man. <laughs> he like sees it coming and he's like, really? <laughs> I like it. it felt like he didn't have time because he like had his whatever <laughs> the gun he was going to use to shoot. Creel, like mm-hmm. you, he couldn't shoot the device, maneuver at, it as that space. Yeah, he, it, yeah. he couldn't shoot that device at him because, for one, who knows what it would do to a regular dude, and they need yeah. it for Creel. So it's like <laughs> I feel like he was—he he knew he had no time to react. Yeah. So it was like he's, he's resigned like, to it. It's just like God damn it, really? Like yeah, it feels like he kind of saw it coming on some <laughs> level. Like like you mentioned. Maybe Colton should obviously not have done this. Like the super emotional dude who's not really a part of their team, only in it for the money anyway. Like, yeah. maybe this guy, revenge crazy dude, isn't the right choice. Yeah, I know. But anyway, yes, he's so he's gone rogue at this point, which we kind of expected him to do. I don't know. There's a lot of foreshadowing leading up to that. <laughs> and Creel and Bakshi are having this conversation, and Bakshi says compliance will be rewarded, and Creel says, "I'm happy to comply." Which is going to come up a lot in the next few episodes. Yeah, the way the way he says it too, it feels a little like programmy, and that and mm-hmm. it seems to have an immediate effect on him being overwhelmed. Like it makes him like kind of reset his powers, so the obelisk starts. Oh to, yeah. starts to peel back and and like because it was starting to go over his head and neck and like the back yep. of his head and whatnot are, are start starting to approach that, and it started to peel yeah. back under his shirt so they could save money on special effects. <laughs> <laughs> it's like calming him down and make you know getting him back to baseline. Um, meanwhile, there's like all this commotion because Hunter is running through the square with this gun, and he stops to shoot Creel, but it's too late because Creel sees it coming and he turns himself into metal and blocks the bullet. Um, and then chaos ensues. Creel starts to run after Hunter. Um, Mr. Bakshi realizes that he's lost the um, suitcase with the obelisk in it in the chaos. And guess who has it? Raina. <laughs> yeah, she's walking along in a flower dress, looking yep. awesome for a split second. Yep. And we, she goes around the corner with the obelisk and it's gone. So Bakshi has failed his mission. Uh, and Creel's running after Hunter and he like, you know, punches him and he's got him pinned pretty much. But Coulson comes up behind him and stabs him with Fitz's design, which is like some type of overwhelming. I, I forget what it's called. It's in the Wikipedia, which I didn't write down. Um, but Creel like flashes through a bunch of different elements uh, and then he turns into stone and is incapacitated. Yay. So the next scene, we are at a funeral, which is um, Hartley's funeral. And Hunter is like standing off uh, away from everybody. And he goes and he puts a necklace in what we're assuming is Hartley's sister's car, because we found out in the previous scene that that's her only surviving family member. And she's the one that Hartley was closest to, which is really sad. Um, And she's also going through cancer. So uh, Coulson is watching Hunter do this. He's like, oh, you're breaking into cars now. And Hunter's like, "Eh, you know, whatever. Um, They're they're going back and forth. And and Coulson's like, look, I want you to join the team. And Hunter's like, um, I shot three of your agents. And Coulson's like, yeah, including Agent May, which was not a smart move. (laughs) 
which is a really good point. Um, but Colson says that he needs someone like him. He needs someone who will do the wrong things for the right reason because Colson can't be that agent anymore, which is also a very good point. It's like uh, it's like Wolverine in, in X Men stories where like they yeah. keep him around to do the dirty work. Yeah, yeah. So Hunter is that new. Um, I feel like Sky was kind of that for a little bit, and I, now that Sky is fully on board, you know, becoming a Shield operative. Um, and doing her training and stuff with May, they need someone that can go beyond what is uh, moral. <laughs> Has that moral gray, moral, moral gray? Um, yeah. What am I trying to say? Moral gray zone? I don't know. Morally, morally gray stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they need him. And he's kind of like, well, I'm curious. And so Colson's like, well, I'll take that as a yes. And he's like, my first uh, mission for you is you need to sell me out to Talbot. <laughs> Which in true Coulson fashion, is unexpected, but also kind of expected. Back in the lab, um, Mac and, and Fitz are chatting, and Mac asks about Simmons, and he's like, she seems really cool. Um, and Fitz is like, yeah. And he, he it, it's obvious that he's, you know, this is the first time someone has actually confronted him about, like, Simmons being gone. And, like, <laughs> he's kind of surprised that Mac is willing to say something, which just speaks volumes about the relationship that's forming. Like, it's honest, and it's you know, it's real and there's like genuine affection there. And it's, I love it so much. In the hallway, May and Sky are talking privately and Sky is like, something's wrong with Coulson. Like, can you not tell? <laughs> like something is wrong? Like, um, cause I can tell. And the very next scene, it cuts to May lecturing Coulson. Like, I know something's wrong. <laughs> and he's in his office and she says, she's like, how many days has it been since your last episode? It's been 18 days, which this is the first time we've heard of this like episode. What? And she's like, we got to do this. And he's like, all right. So they draw the shades down the windows and they raise up the screen and it's just a blank wall. Colson grabs a knife and he starts carving into the wall while May takes photos. So this is where all the photos are coming from that Sky has been analyzing for him. Ugh, so creepy. So apparently Colson is compelled to draw shit on the wall. <laughs> and they're trying to figure out what it is. We cut to Reyna. She has the obelisk and she puts it down and she's, you know looking at it lovingly and a man walks in and he's wiping his hands with a bloody rag and it's Kyle McLaughlin who I always know from Sex in the City <laughs> as the guy who left tea bags around the apartment and upset Charlotte. Also, also <laughs> he's uh, I mean of course uh, Agent Cooper from Twin Peaks to a lot of people. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. I, I would really love to think of him as the real life mayor of Portland. He's the mayor of Portland on Portlandia <laughs> and he's amazing. One of the best parts of the, sh of the show. He's just like this super quirky just absolute weirdo there's a whole episode where they're trying to fight where it's one of the only ones where there's like one main plot for the whole thing usually it's a lot of asides and it's this weird sketch comedy show about how bizarre portland is and it's way yeah. too accurate as someone who lived in portland for a decade right as that show <laughs> came into existence uh right. I, I, unfortunately this is too real but uh there's an episode where he they're, they're trying to locate the mayor and it turns out he is skipped out on being the mayor to play uh i can't remember what instrument maybe bass in in a in a reggae band oh my <laughs> it's god so weird. it's so weird <laughs> but uh i don't know he he pulls it off and he's great and in our spoiler slash connection section i can get into who he well, is because yeah. he's somebody and once you know who he is uh if you know comics you also know who uh sky is in the bigger scheme mm -hmm. of things in Marvel Comics history. Yeah. But yeah, so he shows up and he's like, I want you to pick it up. 
And she's like, what the fuck? And he's like, I have to know. And so she's like terrified, obviously. So Raina goes and there's this really tense moment and she she touches it and she picks it up and she doesn't die and it starts to glow and it's like super iridescent and beautiful. And she's like, oh my God. And she's like, it worked. And he's like, no, it let you live. There's a difference. And he's like, now go get my daughter. So this is Sky's dad. What the fuck? Crazy, like sadistic man with a bloody rag in his hands who is known as the doctor in the credits at this point. <laughs> so we'll get into that in the spoiler section. Uh, last scene is um, Coulson is in this field waiting for Talbot. So he drives up in all these SUVs and he Coulson has this van and he's like, look, I'm going to give you Creel and a lot of other gifts in exchange for autonomy and that you won't arrest us. And Talbot's like, I'm not down with this deal. Like you guys have no resources. Like what are you going to do to enforce any of this? And the bus comes uncloaked. So obviously they got the cloaking working on the bus and he's like, I don't know about that. Um, we got a few tricks up our sleeve and then the Quinjet becomes uncloaked and Coulson gets on the Quinjet and flies away. <laughs> and that's the, that's the episode. <laughs> so we're still at this tense moment with Talbot. Talbot is still unconvinced, but also happy. Yeah. He, he seems with, like uh, he's starting to warm <laughs> what he's getting. He's starting to warm his way into Talbot's heart. Maybe. A little yeah, bit. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Coulson's like, yeah, you'll keep getting gifts. You'll keep getting promoted and you just leave us alone. And it sounds like a great deal, but you know, Talbot's Talbot. So yeah, gonna... he, he likes the idea, I think, <laughs> of being able to take credit for stuff and not having to do the work. But even though yeah. Talbot is like most of us, I think lazy when it's easy, you know, when it presents itself, yeah. <laughs> uh, he also is very controlling and is yeah, like, yeah. He wants to be the one. It should have been his idea, yeah. you know, instead of Colton bringing this to him. Uh, he's one of those type of men. <laughs> well, and he just he's still just not quite sold on them being on the up and up. I think I think he knows yeah. that they're not Hydra, but it doesn't mean that they're yeah. not incompetent or whatever. Or I don't know. Yeah. Or dangerous. And so this is Colton's way of showing that they are competent. They do have some resources, at least one of them being their Quinjet, but whatever. <laughs> I don't care how much I trust the guy. Like in real life, like if this was just like some former hugely important espionage yeah. agent from an agency that was not revealed to the public for years or whatever, but only came out when yeah. superheroes started being real. And they're like, oh yeah, we've always been around keeping super yeah. superhumans secret from the public or whatever. Like if if this was real, I w I wouldn't be down for him to have no. authority. I'd be like, um, transparency, transparency, and. As we shift maybe now into the spoiler section. All right. Spoiler section time. It, we've talked before about how there's a shift. Once we find out who uh, Sky is away from that original hacker persona, because she does a little bit of computer whiz bang stuff this episode even. And mm -hmm, I feel like mm -hmm. it made me remember that. And then us just thinking about it, it's like she's she was all about the transparency and about owing that to the public, you know. It's like that's just not even, even it's sort of a thing at the end of the newest season. Like nobody gives a, gives a shit about that. There's like we have to survive, which is fa it's fair. I know. It's an immediate concern, yeah. but it's just like like that's even even right now. It's like they're just trying to get by and not be manhunted. Man <laughs> you know. So yeah, absolutely. But I mean, there's still that element of that though, because Sky is still upset by Coulson's like lack of immediate transparency True. to the whole team you know like it's it's not for the world it's, it's personal 
it's just for them, you know, but he's still not being forthcoming. Obviously, like he's keeping stuff from her that he's not keeping from May. And we discover that in, in this episode. But and I think that's that's significant that he's that he is leaning on someone and sharing it with someone. Yeah. It just hurts Sky that she's not in on it. She's not the one. Yeah. And it's nice, but it is nice though, because I feel like, you know, even t- you know, the last episode of the season, like May and Colson's relationship was still very contentious, even though they had like he'd forgiven her and he understood where she was coming from and like wanted to reconcile. Like now he is fully leaning on her and her judgment to like take care of him and make sure that he doesn't go crazy. And it's I feel like we're seeing a different side to May, maybe because that is out in the open now, well, at least between them. And it's nice. We'll see that more in future episodes, especially in the next one. But we're seeing a different side to May now, and I really like it. It's it, She's not just that ice queen that everyone was calling her before. Like there's the old May is coming through again, I think. And Coulson's probably enjoying that. <laughs> Absolutely. And that the symbols that appeared on the obelisk resemble the little... Uh, Paperclip things Colson's making. Oh, and that's the right. Drawings. I totally forgot about that. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's just kind of a nice connection. And then, yeah, as far as stuff, yeah, let's let's talk about Sky's dad because I think well, that's... Uh, I was gonna, I was gonna mention the kind of least important thing real quick because not, not oh, okay. The comics, let's just, do that. Just uh, <laughs> the continuity from the past episodes, first in the hub, and then in turn, 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 we had reference to the overkill device. Oh, that's what it's called. Thank you. Just an alternating subsonic blah, 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 techno babble. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's what, like, like you said, that's what it was called. And uh, I think this is the last appearance of the it's overkill the thing that device. Took Creel down. But yeah, that's, yeah. that's what they used. The, uh, the first character of the two, I'll, I'll go over comic book uh, Mac one more time, which I've talked about a couple times, like over the course of the first season, I believe in the spoiler section. Yeah. I think it was like our third we or love, fourth we episode because we were like, Mac's not here, but we love him. <laughs> so here we are again. <laughs> so this character on the show is Calvin L. Johnson is his real name because we find out that she's Daisy Johnson, but she's Daisy Johnson because of her mm-hmm. mother, I believe in the comics because her adopted name is Corey oh, okay. Sutter, which is another, not Sky. Uh, but if they gave her that, yeah. then we would have known. It would have given it away, yeah. But his name in the comics and his alias in this is Calvin Zabo or Zabo. And he is the doctor, as in Dr. Doctor Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah. He is the comic book supervillain, Mr. Hyde. Crazy dude, experimented on himself. Uh, eventually, maybe in the comics too, they've now made it to where he used Terrigen and, and inhuman DNA to experiment on himself Oof. either way now his partner was a latent inhuman was someone who had inhuman heritage like that they didn't pass down to their, to their daughter who uh is the inhuman quake daisy johnson yeah. and our our beloved sky as well he first appeared i think in journey into mystery in in journey into mystery number 99 in 1963 calvin zabo uh, was the marvel version of uh of Mr. Hyde. So he is a brilliant scientist to experiment on himself and inspired by the strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde by Robert Louis Stevenson. He transformed himself into this crazy, super strong, not, not stupid. Like, like in a lot of versions of Jekyll and Hyde, Hyde is kind of dumb and brutish. And he is brutish in that he like, likes, you know, the same stuff that Edward Hyde. Like, 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 very, uh, very hedonistic things like he kills people but he also just likes yeah, yeah, to yeah. like 
get drunk and eat rich food and have sex and like and he's very <laughs> indulgent and and uh yeah also yeah kind of murderous and super violent and he's he's got a pretty extensive history in the comics like he eventually joined the thunderbolts which is like a team of villains who are either forced by the government to it's basically like the suicide squad from dc uh but it wasn't originally originally the idea was it was villains pretending to be heroes and when a bunch of heroes were missing uh to try to like con everyone and then about half of them were like hey you know what we actually really like this like we feel good about ourselves we're helping people and we're using our brilliance or our powers to help people and like it's actually just kind of a good thing on its own and people seem to love us so we're gonna keep doing it and we're gonna do it for real and they end up like fighting with other members of the team really good baron zemo who is nothing like he is in civil war <laughs> in, uh yeah, he, civil war, yeah. He's, son of a nazi for one so uh, he's he's just full-on right like hydra like in like embedded into that stuff uh so yeah not the same as the guy not, they tried to make somewhat not, not the disappointing well, they yeah. tried, <laughs> it, it sucks they tried to make him more sympathetic and i get it like enough nazis i don't need yeah. any more i'd be fine with not doing baron zemo in the movie I, like there's some really great baron zemo stories especially in thunderbolts but I don't give. I don't need to feel bad for Nazis or need anyone else to. Uh, we, we can be done for that with that forever. But um, yeah, he has this like long history of of uh, stuff. He's sort of responsible for um, one of the, one of my favorite characters in recent, not that recent, premiering like twenty years ago almost. But uh, yeah. like, <laughs> but one of the first Young Avengers um, character named Eli Bradley, who's the grandson of the uh, second person to ha- successfully have the super soldier serum administered like a group of uh, m- m- part of a group of black soldiers that were experimented on like the Tuskegee experiments when they were trying to replicate mm-hmm. the super soldier serum after uh, losing the, the formula with the, the death of the scientist who created it. And it was just like in a Captain America movie, mm-hmm. they, they kept it going in the comics and these, these stories they wrote in the early two thousands and the character ended up having a, a son and a grandson, uh, uh, so this character and his uncle are both uh, super soldiers and, and Elijah didn't inherit it from his mother. He uh, ended up first using a street drug that uh, Dr. Hyde was selling that gave you temporary superpowers <laughs> and eventually getting a blood transfusion from Steve Rogers uh, and became a permanent super soldier. It's that simple. Well, I guess he, he, <laughs> comics like he had, he had yeah, the comics. genetic abilities <laughs> to receive it because of like whatever, because of the same stuff that his grandpa had. So not, it doesn't work for everyone. Mm-hmm. It's not that simple. That okay. way, that way everybody doesn't get superpowers. <laughs> Although I think, I think they've done that before. I think some, a couple other people have also just gotten blood transfusions from Captain America and become superpowered. That's how She-Hulk exists. It's an easy, yeah. I can't stress enough. I've mentioned it before on the podcast, how many of these uh, comic creators, uh, were interns who then have, all the men went to were drafted to World War II and then they were promoted to write comics. So they never <laughs> finished high school. Uh, a lot of them went, went didn't finish high school to go fight World War II, then came back and wrote comics. Like like these guys, their science isn't great. Science wasn't as developed as it is now in, in general, and they didn't learn about it. <laughs> like, yeah. like, they learned about yeah. they learned about science from pulp comic books. And then made up superheroes. But uh, yeah, Calvin is uh, a dude who experiments on himself and not that different from the uh, slight spoiler for the spoiler section. It's 
pretty similar to him in the <laughs> in the show. He experiments on himself. He does become super strong, and he, he doesn't look quite as like mini Hulk. Like in the comics, he's basically like a pink Hulk. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, but yeah, he he's, he's like he, pretty massive <laughs> oh and, and monstrous. But in the show, he just gets buff a couple times, and when he gets really angry, I think. It looks yeah. crazy. Oh, he looks so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and they do like they I can't remember it's just because he's snapping people's necks and shit all the time. Cause like there's a few more times we see him covered in blood. They love to show him like like when, when yeah, they do show like him with what? his powers, he's like shirtless, buff, and covered in blood and looking the craziest he's ever looked. Well, isn't he like some he's some like um like black market doctor yes. too isn't he Which like, makes sense. like that's why he's like doing you know doing various surgeries like why aren't you wearing gloves first of all like the the gloves should be covered in blood not your hands like that's creepy but yeah i don't know the cuz the other introduction that we had to him with widow was just his hands <laughs> it was his hands are covered yeah, in yeah they're <laughs> dripping they're dripping in blood so, yeah i don't know <laughs> In the comics, he does like the thing that he I mentioned with uh, Elijah Bradley, who became the superhero, uh, the Patriot, and it was written yeah. out of the comics. Like they had him retire, and now there's a new young teenage black Patriot who's like a sidekick of the Falcon. And I'm fine with that, but it's just like I liked Elijah a lot. Like bring that character back. Like Rayshon can get another yeah. code name, but also <laughs> that guy was made up by Nick Spencer. He's the one who made Captain America a Nazi temporarily, which we'll get into when we get the Hydra episodes because mm, they nope. were concurrent with that. And yeah. they even they, they really Gemma has a couple. Gemma and and uh, and and Daisy both have some lines where they just like really bag on the fact that they they made Cap Hydra <laughs> like yeah. the passive aggressive stuff on the the TV side, making fun of what they were doing in the comics, which I appreciated. But uh, yeah, being I, made yeah. by Nick Spencer, it's <laughs> tough. There's a few things he's attached to that I enjoy. And I'm like, damn it, damn it. <laughs> but but, um, yeah. but no, it, it, the way he got these powers was from a thing called uh, mutant growth hormone, like human growth hormone. Uh, and it gives people <laughs> temporary superpowers. And so like there's some some him being an underground doctor with like, you know, doing illegal surgeries and whatnot, like that, that they would harvest the stuff from like mutants in the comics. So it, it lines up yeah. and just like in general guy with medical, you know, skills and comics villain makes sense. He'd become some sort of supervillain mob doctory type thing, or at least in so- somewhat yeah. in some, some capacity. And then, um, yeah, nothing else from the comics other than this is our first like real getting into Alfonso McKenzie, who is created by Bob Harris and Paul Neary for Nick Fury versus shield. Number three in, 1988 so this is, he is uh 30 years old uh, in august and <laughs> he so was crazy. a w- and very much not like the the mac that we know and love on the show right yeah he played a white haired um white dude from texas yeah not not the same <laughs> glad they didn't go with that casting yeah, he, he's like an explosives God. guy instead of a mechanic like very different uh, the character yeah, they created yeah. uh, by uh, you know, starring uh, Henry Simmons playing Alfonso McKenzie is much better. Uh, no, there's nothing wrong with the other guy. I, I think they should just make him his son or something. That's what they did with Nick Fury. <laughs> yeah. Although don't do that quite the yeah, same way. I, they didn't do that great. Like Marcus oh. Johnson ends up getting his eye cut out by Hydra to prove he's Nick Fury's son or something. And, and, like, and then at the end of the whole what? thing, he's like, you know, she, he found out that Nick Fury had told his mom not to name him Nick Fury because people would find out, you know, that he's a son or whatnot. So she ended up naming him Marcus and kept her name Johnson. 
And then when he finds out he's Nick Fury's son, he's like, I'm going to take the name I was supposed to have. Now I'm Nick Fury. And it's like, it just feels super disrespectful to his <laughs> black mom that he takes this old white you know, super spy guy who he yeah. never knew his name. And like right after he got his eye yeah. cut out, this is also the origin of Coulson's nickname Cheese, which I'm still upset that uh, Sam Jackson doesn't call him Cheese in the movies. Like uh, I'm waiting for that to happen <laughs> in, in, in Captain Marvel. Fingers crossed. Oh, I hope uh, it has, Hashtag Rath and Watch. Hash, hashtag Coulson is Cheese. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, by the way, the posters, the new posters, the character posters were released this past week, and Coulson just looks so excellent. <laughs> I, I, he didn't have his receding of a hairline when he was on the uh, the show back when Coulson was married to no, he uh, didn't. to uh, the vice president of America and in, in, uh, in the new Adventures yes. of Old Christine. <laughs> back when that show existed, like he didn't have nearly as a receding hairline as he does now. But it was never a widow's peak. Like the picture, it looked like, like the pictures I've seen. Like it just, just both him and Sam Jackson look like they have different hairlines than they actually do or did. And that's what's funny. Like, like, yeah, like yeah, they're yeah. just like they're going all out. It's like well, if we're gonna give two bald guys hair, we might as well just do whatever we want. <laughs> like, yeah, just make it ridiculous <laughs> looking. <laughs> I feel like they'd be really good wigs if we didn't know what they look like. <laughs> Like, like they'd be excellent <laughs> movie wigs, but we know, and so we're just like, those are silly. Yeah, Coulson's been around for ten years, like as a character on screen. Like, like I, <laughs> I mean, I know the '90s was more than ten years ago, but like, come on, you can still tell right. like, the patterns and hairlines. No, I, 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 uh, <laughs> like, I recommend for a good Hollywood wig uh, discussion. Uh, everybody should see or should rewatch if they've already seen uh, Royal Tenenbaums. And think that everybody but Gene Hackman, uh, the guy who plays Pagoda, and uh, and Ben Stiller, everyone else is wearing a wig in that movie. Everyone, <laughs> because what's his face had just done a uh, Black Hawk Down, I think, is the uh, Owen Wilson movie. So his yeah. head was completely shaved. Uh, yeah, all of them, none of the, none of them were wearing their real hair. Not Bill Murray, not uh, uh, um, my nemesis Gwyneth Paltrow. They all have they all have wigs. Right. Our other nemesis, uh, and, but they're really great wigs. <laughs> we we share. Yeah, we do share Hollywood yeah, nemes- yeah, nemeses. That's we'll get <laughs> yeah. into some future episode. Tom Cruise and Gwyneth Paltrow. Uh, how much I I loathe Tom Cruise. He he is our he's totally our Coulson. Although I guess Gwyneth Paltrow is more of a Col. You mean uh, Ward? Yeah, oh yeah, that's right, Ward. I do I do mean Ward. Uh, uh, I do. Think he's, she's even more of a Ward because she's actually evil. Like she's she's detrimental to the yeah, world. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> like. Whereas, like, yeah. I don't like Tom Cruise, and he's evil on a small scale because of his religious stuff. I think because that is that is harmful to people, but it's also like, I don't know, man. Anybody who gives their money to those people and like signs away their rights at this point, it's like Leia Remini's had two TV shows and a book. <laughs> it's like, like, like we all know, yeah. like you yeah, know yeah, what you're yeah, getting like, into like, now. Like, yeah. for that. It's not like Charles Manson tricking teenagers, you know, who'd run away from home. Yeah, without, <laughs> like it, no. when there's no media, like there's no way to know about him. Like we know about Scientology. Oh, speaking of cults, so Billy made me watch um, Bad Times at the the grand royale or something like that oh yeah yeah i i, I remember seeing um jeff bridges was in that and i was considering watching it yes and so is chris hemsworth and chris hemsworth plays a cult leader and he is a villain and it is excellent it is the weirdest fucking movie ever but 
Oh man, no, I definitely have to check that out. You need to watch it because he's shirtless like almost the entire time he's on screen and he's just like evil and twisted and crazy and it's it is an excellent movie. <laughs> I feel like he's I don't know how he's gotten away with it, but I believe we've talked before on the show. I I've I have a long-held belief it, it, it it's I think it's uh it's less true for women actors for whatever reason, probably just because of sexism and every woman who they put on screen is super attractive. But I feel like they don't let yeah. really good looking leading men be funny, even when they're really funny actors. Like usually they, they, they want them to be these yeah. serious stu- in kind of like, I don't know, boring personality list roles. Yeah. Like stoic. Whereas like guys like yeah. George Clooney or Brad Pitt or Ryan Reynolds, like I think they're they're good dramatic actors, but they're great comedic actors and they don't get those they as are, many opportunities yeah. as they should because of being leading men in a weird way. It's like their one disadvantage to being a super good looking white dude in our culture is you can't play really funny roles in our media. But yeah. <laughs> it's too much. It'll overwhelm the audience. <laughs> but I feel like he gets away with it somehow. Like like we don't mind that from Chris Hemsworth. I don't know if it's knowing he's Australian or something. It's like those goofballs just because of how <laughs> Australia was introduced to us. Well, I feel like our culture has this really, really <laughs> stupid image of Australia. And it's because like, it started with Crocodile Dundee, like Jermaine Clement, who I love, yeah. who's a famous New Zealand actor and comedian and musician. He yeah. was the he was the voice uh, and the face for Outback Steakhouse in the nineties. He did the commercials. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't was? even have an Australian accent. He had a New Zealand accent. <laughs> he's, he's from New Zealand. Yeah. But dumb Americans have no idea. He's, he's, thinking, he's a Kiwi. <laughs> hundred percent Kiwi and yeah. and we're just like, yeah, Outback Steakhouse. Oh just like in Australia. <laughs> like, like no, no. Wow. <laughs> like, I don't think that's like a super oh. successful chain in, in Australia. <laughs> like, but but that's I, I don't know. That's and that's not specific to Australia. We have, we have probably a pretty bigoted, simplistic view of most places with how it's presented in our culture. Like Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yeah. But but no, I do I don't know what I can't think of any other reason why he's an exception because like he is this like giant shirtless guy who plays a God and we all believe it. And yet we have no problem with yeah. he's being a goofball. <laughs> Whereas like culturally, I feel like usually we're like, I don't know. <laughs> There's something weird about that guy. I like being a goofball. Like I, I want my goofballs to be either fat or really skinny. Either way, they're nerdy and socially yeah. awkward. They can't be cool with women and funny. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. I bet that's what it is. It's nerdy Hollywood writers. Like, ah, uh, not fair. <laughs> I'm not doing that. I'm not giving them more ammunition to be cool. No. I bet that's it. They get one kind of cool. Just, uh, the kind where we all want to be them or make out with them, not the part where <laughs> they, they make us laugh. That's my thing. Nope, nope. I think we solved it. Nerdy Hollywood writers. Yep, I think we did. They're holding them back. They're holding the pretty, yeah, pretty Hollywood actors. Won't somebody back. finally give super good looking in crazy good shape? Uh, leading men actors a chance in this world <laughs> right? they like they like... just need that step up it's an uneven playing field <laughs> it's not like they literally get away with murder sometimes <laughs> god <laughs> I think that's a good place to end this episode because <laughs> I feel like there's other yes. stuff that we can discuss yes. in the next episode for the same <laughs> characters um <laughs> 
in case you're not, in case you're confused and you've never listened to an episode of this show, we're not serious. Yes, um, we got a joke. pretty sarcastic. <laughs> we don't really believe that white <laughs> men need help in Hollywood. Yeah. Well, 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 uh, that is an observation. You know, the comedy thing that I, I think it's somewhat true. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> they're, they're, they're gonna no, do exactly just fine. <laughs> They'll yeah, be yeah. fine. I am like I'm super not worried about Chris Hemsworth. Like I said, he's got opportunities. These other guys don't. But I'm. I'm not really worried about Brad Pitt either. He's gonna no, make it. no, or George Clooney. <laughs> yeah, I think no, he's George fine. Could, <laughs> could never do anything for the rest of his life. And between uh, his yeah. super, super successful wife, he's lucky to have landed. And yeah. his uh, his loyalties <laughs> from whatnot. I'm pretty sure that dude's sitting pretty for the rest of his life. He he could exclusive. He could produce his own super absurdist comedies, and people maybe wouldn't ever see them, but. <laughs> <laughs> but he would have a good time. <laughs> yeah, he can do whatever he wants. I know. All right. Where can the good people find you on the internet? I can be found places uh, as I snow nothing, like uh, John Snow, but not knowing things, snowing things, and no G at the end. So I snow nothing. <laughs> snowing things. <laughs> uh, and you can find me um on all the places also at space Jess with four S's in the Jess. You can find the pod at project Tahiti on Twitter, and you can send us an email at project Tahiti pod at gmail.com. Um, thank you guys for listening to this podcast where it is a magical place. I totally screwed that up. That's fine. <laughs> I, uh, it's, my, it's my birthday. Ra- hashtag Rathman Watch. All the things. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye.